0: Beep 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 Hello Internet. We interrupt your daily boredom for this very important podcast. This is often overlooked. A show where the Southern Water Tribe Penguin Luge team talks to you about all the things our friends and coworkers don't want to hear us talk about anymore. We're talking about movies, books, comics, video games, etc. I am one of your hosts, Seth, and I'm here with my two friends.
1: I'm Jeffrey and Alex. Now let's play
2: guess that topic. Here is three clues. One ring to rule them. One ring to find them.
0: One ring to bring them all. And And in in the the darkness darkness bind them. them. That's right. We're talking about Lord of the Rings.
2: High, ba- bang, hiya, ba- ta, ba- ba- we need the Fraser theme song, I think. Ba- <laughs> toss, toss, toss salad and scrambled eggs. Is that what you're on? <laughs> oh, baby, I hear the music. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> don't think I don't know the Fraser theme. <clears throat> okay. I heard that toss scramble, and I was like, am
1: We should do a thing on theme songs. Like, favorite theme songs, pick five. That's a grab
2: bag thing right there. Yo, you know what's number one? Fantasy Costco, where all your, your dreams, dreams come true. Got a deal for you. <laughs> correct. That's the correct answer. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Middle Earth Travel Agency. That's right. Have you ever wanted to travel the wide world of Middle Earth, except Mordor? Then come on down and find one of our wonderful agents. Um. Thanks. Okay.
0: So we're talking about Lord of the Rings, guys. Specifically the adaptation, right? Specifically the adaptation. Specifically Peter Jackson's adaptation, The Lord of the Rings trilogy in film format.
1: Yes. Fantastic. That's all I got to say. Good Correct. podcast, guys. All right, bye. <laughs> um so this this
0: set of movies is often touted as, you know, the pinnacle of book to film adaptations right i think it's second in line to harry potter but it's obviously a very close second so why do you think that this movie and harry potter but but specifically like why do you think that harry Her- <laughs> why do you think that lord of the rings has stood the test of time like how did it make that transition from page the screen so effortlessly and so beautifully
1: you know what's nuts right now is that if uh lord of the rings fellowship of the ring was a person that person could drive
0: wow 2001 was a lifetime
2: ago
1: Oh yeah, <laughs>
2: that's terrifying actually yeah. i don't want to
0: talk about that let's move on
2: um it's it's interesting that you ask that question because literally it is playing behind your head, mm-hmm. <laughs> at, at, very quietly in the background. Um, as I'm looking at it, um, what what blows my mind so much is the fact that this movie, Fellowship in the Ring, in particular, right now just because it's on, but this one came out in 2001, and it looks so great still. Yeah, like even to this day, yeah, like I it looks beautiful and it's it's shot so well. And I think even just in a little part, that has something so big to do with that is because, you know, when you think back to other movies that were there during that time, like, yeah, some of them, you know, like are good and stuff like that. But this one in particular just completely blows everything else out of the water. And I think as an adaptation to have that, even, you know, however many, you know, 16 years later, like I still look at this movie and I'm still amazed with what they were able to do. Yeah,
1: they really went against
2: the odds here with adapting a a fantasy
1: book, especially one so renowned as Lord of the Rings. But even more than that, adapting books in that genre, it doesn't really pan out. It hasn't historically. So to make something where the deck is stacked against you, it's just really impressive. And I think what made it successful is that all these things had to come together the screenwriting, the casting, the the props, uh, the CGI—it all had to to blend really well um, in order for it to to be a passable movie. Yeah. And it just got taken to the next level with the direction and the acting. Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's exactly why it holds up. Is like, not only you know, we can talk about how it was true to source material and. Um, you know, how the filmography was amazing. But I think the use of practical effects in any movie is kind of a lease on longevity for that movie. Like, you can rely on special effects to make things look really cool, really quickly. But because of the rate of technology, uh, that dies really quickly. So if you want to just pound out a movie real fast, then, um, you know, you can just rely on special effects and just shoot the shot and be done but this movie wasn't like that they they really thought about each shot composed everything really masterfully and relied a lot on practical effects real props things like that and because of that that heavy reliance on that and the thought that went into the composition of every single shot it does hold up
1: it lends authenticity
0: to what you're yeah, doing definitely exactly
2: well, especially with that I love the schedule that they filmed mm-hmm. I mean they took a lot of these relatively unknown actors I mean some of them were very stand out you know a lot of them people knew already but a lot of these just unknown actors you know that they they trained up you know they they taught them all these things and then it was continuous they shot them all together yeah and I love that because it it gives it that authenticity it gives it that field in you know that lived in world what I meant, yeah right? yeah of just like oh the, these events are taking place and I, and I love that because you don't normally see that you know you see oh yeah we're releasing this movie we're gonna take a year and a half off break or however much long and then we're gonna do the next one and this and it's mm-hmm. it, it, just with these movies it just seems so continuous and it feels like it is a story um, and it's it's just so cool that they would they would take the time and the effort to do that because you have to think that must have taken them so long to plan out yeah.
0: And I think that that kind of hints at um, the freedom that Peter Jackson and the crew had is like most movies that, you know, shoot one, wait a while, shoot the next one. And like you have, you know, a year or two or three between sequels and a trilogy or whatever is because they shoot one and it has to do well before they can afford to make the next one this movie wasn't like that they signed on for the trilogy they were shooting the trilogy regardless it was paid for and done so they had the ability to shoot them all continuously Mm -hmm. which is really cool and i think one of the many stepping stones that had to set in line properly for this movie to be kicked off in the right way
1: yeah i think the challenge then became for them how do we cut down the story to make it a theatrical release and Mm -hmm. not add an extra movie and I'm super impressed by that, just the pacing. You know, yeah. they, they push the boundary of how long people are willing to sit in a the theater for. I remember thinking that Fellowship was really long the first time I saw it, but I still enjoyed it. I still loved it. Um, so I think the, the, the uh, respect they gave to the, the material was yeah. one of the things that made it kind of successful in the end, too. Is that they said, they knew exactly the stories they needed to tell. They knew what needed to be translated from mm-hmm. the book. Yeah, uh, And they knew which beats they needed to hit. So, you know, in Return of the King, for instance, the Siege of Gondor is the climax of the, the, the movie, but it's like the fifth or sixth chapter in the book, something like that. It's very early on. Yeah, and, th- and
0: that goes to show how well they thought the whole thing out. And, like, movies these days don't really do that. Um, they kind of shoot the shots, get them done, edit, and be good, or release the movie as fast as possible for the most part obviously there's a lot that don't and that's you know the stuff that we see winning awards obviously don't do that but we're inundated with so many movies that you know we get buried by that like just get the movie out and be done with it kind of feel
1: and those deadlines they they ruin sometimes that's when directors start taking liberties with the story or writers rather start taking liberties with where is it going to go yeah. mm-hmm. it's like
2: oh we don't have this much time okay we're yeah. gonna have to make some cuts for it and i think that that's detrimental to the the experience of the movie itself can really be yeah, oh. if you, you definitely yeah. if you adhere to that source material then you're gonna have a, a better movie overall
1: at least your your inherent fan base is going to be pleased If you take a look at the like divergent books for instance the last installment in the trilogy I, think, I don't even know. I think it might have become two movies, but they made it much more sci fi oriented and they were trying to really key in on a very odd demographic of readers that enjoyed the, these books and completely forgot the reason that people were going to be in the first place.
2: Yeah. It, it's interesting that you bring that up because, you know, with something like that, it's like, oh, yeah, they decided oh, we'll make it more futuristic or we'll do something like this. One of the big things I love with Lord of the Rings as well is that they took something that was a. a a gigantic property something that yeah a lot of people knew a lot of things that a lot of people didn't know i mean lord of the rings probably wasn't 100% a household name in you know the mid 90s and 2000s until these movies came out and what i love is that they they didn't dumb it down you know they didn't say like oh people aren't going to understand this or this they threw like in the first few minutes of fellowship of the ring they throw lore at you but it's never a bad thing. Like it never seems too much or anything like that. But then they also do it in a way where it's like, Oh, you can understand like, Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. They they made the rings. Okay. This is the bad guy. This is this. And they do it without sacrificing or making justifications on anything. They, they make it a story and they make it the story of the Lord of the Rings. That's
1: what makes it a tenfold movie too, is that they didn't shy away from those things. Exactly. you, 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 they knew that they needed to have a narration in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Because it's this is a story, it's very plainly told, yeah, in book form. So,
0: and part of that comes from you know just the skill, the skill of Tolkien when he was writing it, and part of that comes from the fact that The Lord of the Rings isn't the first in the story, um, so a lot of the lore and a lot of stuff has already been established. Um, so you kind of get that feeling when you jump into The Lord of the Rings or The Fellowship of the Ring, is it feels like a real world because we're really late in this world story. Um, But the other, I think the biggest piece of this is like Peter Jackson and the screenwriters and the whole crew really paid so much respect to the source material. And that is how you make long living, good book to film adaptations. It's like when you see things like the Divergent series or in, to a lesser degree you know hunger games and things like that that have tight deadlines they have changes um you know in the the writing and the story they change a lot of stuff they adapt things they don't pay the proper respect to the source material and the lord of the rings trilogy paid full respect to that in every possible way and because of that it lends itself to this longevity um and that's exactly why like things like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and like all of these huge staple book to film adaptations that are amazing. They took the proper time. They filmed, they paid all the necessary respects to the source material in costuming and um, not, you know, changing, adapting some things, but not changing a lot, telling the right stories from the books like, they just thought about it and paid the right respects. And that's why they hold
1: up you have to check their pride at the door of the filmmakers exactly and then and then it's allowed to flourish yeah it's funny you said peter jackson and his face popped up in his cameo in the extended (laughs) edition right behind
2: you perfect Uh, and especially i mean like you were saying i mean just the respect that was given to the work Mm -hmm. i mean so often especially nowadays we see these movies where it's like okay how can we franchise this or how can we universe this or how can we do this and you know, there was a set, you know, pretty decent sized universe for these, but they took their time and they, they did everything methodically to the point where it wasn't like, oh, yeah, we want to do 20 of these movies. How can we get that done before we get number one out? Yeah. And it was very much, you know, we have this plan and this is what we want to do and we want to pay the respects that this source material deserves. Like it it honestly does. I mean, Lord of the Rings and, and Tolkien and The Hobbit and all these are such a staple of the fantasy genre. I mean, if you talk to to anyone that loves fantasy books, I mean, th- this will in- inevitably come up mm-hmm. as one of the 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 poles, one of the staples mm-hmm. of the fantasy genre, regardless
0: of whether or not you like it. Yeah. A lot of people don't like Tolkien's writing and and all that, but they still recognize the significance of it, what the story did. Exactly, for, yeah. And to make a film about that level of significant work, you couldn't have made it without paying proper respects
1: yeah Tolkien definitely defined the genre so it, I'd imagine this is one of the more difficult adaptations but it pulled out all the stops you know it's mm-hmm. like big budget they committed to making the trilogy you know what you're going to get when you go to sit in the theater
2: yeah I would love to have been a fly in the wall at the pitch meeting for this because when you think about it as well what had Peter Jackson done like slasher movies basically yeah, yeah. Next to nothing he, he of hadn't significance. Done anything, and then they entrusted him with one of the greatest fantasy works ever, and he knocked it out of the park. Oh, he
0: killed it! And, and it, I,
2: it had to have been something like
0: he's like, yeah, I ha, I've been working on um, this like animatic that he had been hand drawing for thirty years, and he pitched that to the the guys and like, holy, like, okay, uh, clearly you've thought a lot about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you go for it. Like, it had to have been something crazy.
2: Well, and, and thinking about that that pitch is interesting because, you know, like that, he, he hadn't done anything. And so this amazing thing that he had done with a work that, red flashing lights, that he loves and cares about. Mm-hmm. And I think that is part of the reason why this movie will forever be amazing and will forever Mm -hmm. stick out is because the love and the attention to detail that was put into every single frame every single moment is phenomenal Mm -hmm. it's the same kind of
0: thing that you see like you see you know batman lowercase v no period superman (laughs) uh and it's like that one (laughs) it has that those franchises those ips have the very similar levels of fandom and love behind them but the director and the the people working on the film didn't put that love into the film whereas with the lord of the rings trilogy like the love of the work came through in the film and i think that's a huge selling point and why um things like some of the superhero movies out there and and stuff like that feel cheap they feel like they were done for the money without a real story to tell is for a similar reason the, the the love of movie making the love of this work the love of all of these things doesn't come through in the film.
2: Well, it, it, I mean, you know, we're we're talking about this, and then something that we've also talked about. I mean, with these franchises and all these things, you know, the the love and the respect for something that comes through. Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. That movie, much like Lord of the Rings, probably should not have worked. Yeah, but it did, just because mm-hmm. it, there's so much respect and so much passion for the the ip that the only thing that it could have done was been great
1: yeah one of the things that sticks out to me is that when you look at these movies you don't think about what would it be like if they remade this you know like exactly. i see that all the time with other movies it's like i want to see an updated you know like i've had a conversation with somebody recently like what would an updated harry potter look like now Like, if you did sorcerer's stone again or philosopher's benedict stone, cumberbatch would
2: have to be snape
1: yeah so (laughs) claiming stake on (laughs) that now how do you how do you cast that like what does it look like but that might be a bad example because I didn't really agree with that but um, you know you could say the same about any number of movies but these movies it will be another 25-50 years if then that people say yeah
2: let's let's think
1: about what it would look like if we revamped these because they just stand up
2: it's really cool that you say that because the minute you said that the thought crossed my mind is that I've never thought about them remaking this yeah Never. I have always assumed that they would never remake this. Yeah. This is the pinnacle
0: of the Lord of the Rings movies. Like, it won't get better than this.
2: It's like for other ones, you could see, like, oh, yeah, we, we kind of want to go back and redo some things for this or this. But then, yeah, for this one, it's like, no, like, it's it's a, yeah. a perfect movie. for. And it's
0: weird to think about because it is, it is, geez, it's, what, 18 years old almost now? Or it's, it's like 17 mm-hmm. and a half-ish now. Like, that's crazy to think that, like that was the best version of that movie almost 20 years ago that's weird and i think speaks a lot to what we've been talking about with the writing and
1: peter jackson taking his time and like there i cannot think of another movie that i feel the same way about it shows you i think it shows you how much preparation went into it Is that when they when these actors had the ability and 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 peter jackson had the ability to to direct them through these settings where they're fully decked out in, in masterfully made props from weta and then they have these beautiful locations around them it's i imagine it's not super hard to get into character when you've got everything that you need on your person you got your costume fully fully decked out you're not on like a huge green screen background i know they did a lot of that in the hobbit and um and, and whatnot but like they're in new zealand like fully surrounded by beautiful landscapes it feels like this is a foreign land this is middle earth and they spent like 18 months filming didn't they yeah yeah there was a scene that they did with Andy circus and um elijah wood and sean austin they were um, shooting the steps scenes for uh yeah for return of the king Mm -hmm. and you know they they can't put them way up high over you know some city or something but they put them on a actual rock structure and let them kind of talk to each other and that's it's like it. That's where the authenticity comes from. That's where that that subtle kind of yeah, yeah realism.
0: You really get you have the time to gain character when you're not walking on the set, but you're actually walking three miles up the side of a mountain to get to where you're gonna film. Like that's
1: yeah. that
0: has a way of changing your headspace.
1: And yeah, to let the the guys playing the hobbits get to know each other, so that you know there was actual um, chemistry between them mm-hmm. when. They got on set, and it really shows like these guys know each other really well. They could be family, they could be related. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I think I remember hearing interviews where like Vigo Mortensen was like a real mentor for for Elisha Wood and for some of these other guys. And um, despite their age discrepancies, they, they all kind of fell into that role because that's who they were playing on screen, and that's how those people were adopting personas on set that was just the mentality of this is how we're making this movie
0: Mm -hmm. and that goes to show why almost everybody that played in this movie like it rocket ship launched their careers because it was very easy to see the level of acting skill that went into all of these parts like they're all expertly cast they're all expertly acted every one of them is just amazing in this in all of these films and the, you know, the community behind um, the fandom and the community behind, you know, the filmmaking process all recognized how amazing it was. And all of their careers took off after this. Or maybe not. I mean, they may have oh, pinnacle because but. this
2: movie is amazing, but <laughs> like they all became household names. That was literally what I was going to say is if anything, you know who these people are. Yeah, like you look at a picture and you're like, "Holy crap, that's a- it's Aragorn. Aragorn's in the movie. That's awesome," and I mean that, that may be slightly, slightly detrimental to a career, like you know, to yeah. be known as you know th- these pinnacle characters. Yeah, yeah, it, it's just so fascinating to see. I mean, not to like go super back, but you know, like we were saying, you know, walking onto a set and doing these things, you know, becoming this. I mean, we and and I hate to mention this on the podcast as we're. But, you know, a scene just occurred where, you know, Aragorn is taking the hobbits and they're literally traveling through this gorgeous set pieces. They're traveling through these forests and it's it's impossible not to feel grandeur and not to feel like we are in a fantasy world right now. As, as opposed, you know, when you think, you know, how many, you know, thousands of green screen, you know, scenes we see now. Yeah. But to actually experience this and to see the majesty of you know this intense forest or mm-hmm. you know the snow coming down on the mountains and all these things—it's it, it, just—it's beautiful yeah. to see.
1: And if you, I mean, if you can imagine how how much easier it is with the setting and the props, but when you are interacting with made-up creatures like the Urukai at the end of Fellowship, mm-hmm. they they talked about how these guys were just like sweating and dying on this riverbank, but they just wouldn't give it up and uh the stuntmen were so dedicated to it and so the actors were like yeah i was swinging that 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 axe like it was my life was it on the line and you can see it you know
2: plus it's i mean it's terrifying like you look at like the uruk you look at the orcs the goblins and all this and they look like they are real creatures and it's like you, you literally feel like you're transported into this world
0: that's that's something that i've always said about um you know practical effects and costumes and stuff is like when you look at you know the costumed up orc it looks gross and weird and like like oh that's a like that's a weird costume and like it looks uncomfortable all this stuff but that like that grossness that you feel looking at a costume is exactly the right emotion to feel when looking at that orc is like it they are gross like it's supposed to be like that it may not be a perfect representation from costume to, you know, what it should look like, right? But the you still get the same feeling. Whereas, like, with a, um, you know, a CG version, you, you can put in, like, weird stuff that doesn't, like, it all seems very polished, for lack of a better word. So when you see, like, a guy's costume and, like, his makeup looks weird on his cheek and it gives this, like, weird, like, that just adds to the grossness of the orcs instead of taking away like it would if it was a cg version if you see a cg version that it's got this weird kind of like patch on his cheek like it it doesn't it kind of takes you out of it instead of pulling
2: you further in i think you said kind of one of the magic words about whenever i watch lord of the rings and that's feeling yeah. you know what do you feel when you see this and i and I love how you brought that up you know when you see those orcs when you see these things you know you get these intense feelings um, you know, fear sometimes of, of excitement and all this. And, I, you know, again, you, we keep bringing it up and we keep saying, you know, but this is kind of one of the all-time pinnacles of an adaptation of a book to a movie. Mm-hmm. And it, and a lot of that is, you know, when you're reading, you know, you, you're imagining and you're feeling, and this movie just, movie series, sorry, does an excellent job at, at almost recreating that mm-hmm. feeling you get while reading a book. It's very difficult to pull
1: off, especially with something mm-hmm. that i mean from from a film perspective, it'd be very difficult to pull off just because it's fantasy um, because that requires a lot of of you know things that we don't have you know make believe magic, things like that uh and at the at its base level, if you take Lord of the Rings and you boil it down, it's very much like a road movie kind of It's a travel movie. These guys are going mm-hmm. from the Shire to Mordor, right you know they stop in some very cool places along the way. But if you said that to, to anybody like I'm gonna make a movie where these, these few characters are gonna drive in a car and they're gonna stop in a bunch of really cool places in, the U.S. or something like, go home. Cool, <laughs> yeah. cool. great, cool, awesome. yeah. But there's but there's magic. Oh, okay, well, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. And that's like you were, like you're saying earlier. It's really difficult to do in fantasy, but it's really difficult to do, in general in movies is elicit those feelings. It's like kind of like you were, you touched on Jeffrey is. Uh, like when you read, you have imagination and what the book makes you feel like that is basically it right in movies, you have a visual medium. So the, uh, the feeling that you get tends to die out. Um, there's several exceptions with like, uh, fear from like horror movies and sadness and like those things are somewhat easy for movies to convey, that they can elicit that emotion in you. Sadness, That like, those are fairly easy. But, like, awe? Awe is incredibly difficult to elicit from a movie. But The Lord of the Rings does it. Like, when they, like, you know, turn a corner and they show, like, this amazing scape, this crazy field and mountains and cliffs and stuff, like, you feel awe just like you would if you imagined it from the novels. And, like, those hard... Like, very difficult to track down emotions that most movies can't elicit from people. This one does.
2: It was deep, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> it was. No, like, 100%. Like, honestly, that's that, that word is, I mean, awe. Yeah. Like, Think,
0: when was the last time outside of, like, Lord of the Rings that you felt awe in a movie? I don't know. But I can tell you, the last time I felt all reading a book, I felt it reading Ready Player One like three days ago. It like books elicit emotions a lot easier than films do, and this one elicits the hard to
1: find emotions.
2: I mean, it's also it's also
1: I don't want to kick off. No, no, yeah, go for it. It's also really difficult to balance an ensemble. Like that's that's uh, talk about deck stack against you. I mentioned that earlier that's so difficult especially when you have some some big name actors like we have some unknowns here that's that's for certain but um when you put all these charismatic people together that all have very big personalities and rightfully so like we we would want them on screen to be able to balance them in a movie series that's literally about this team of people coming together and accomplishing one goal like It's incredible. It's very difficult Mm. to pull off.
2: How about, I mean, you know, there's Fellowship of the Ring, you know, all these people come together. It's interesting they get to play off of each other. How about when Two Towers hits, or Return of the King, where essentially the story is split up in three, four, even sometimes five different parts that you're concurrently watching, but it never feels like a chore. Like, sometimes, I mean, there may be, like, slower parts that you feel or anything like that, but in this one you you're just so captivated by every single story and every cog in the machine that's working at the same time it, it's it's so fascinating to see like you were saying you know that ensemble together and even when they're split apart their stories are still so fascinating
1: mm-hmm. it's a pretty like standard storytelling tactic that some uh writers use would you know if they don't want to do just a straight first person Lord of the Rings would be an entirely different story if it was written like that but uh the benefit that it gives you is the ability to to keep that that pace pretty steady to go back and forth between the most interesting parts of the story because to some degree you don't want to see sam and frodo kind of toddle along in the marshes yeah. or, or whatever. looking for you, an inn like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, you, and you don't also you don't want to hear aragorn having all of his diplomatic meetings all the time or like trying to do the logistical aspects of running an army or getting the battle together you the benefit is that you always get to see something interesting and they balance that really well yeah
2: we're talking about this and especially you know just a little bit insight you know i i growing up my parents always like would read so you know we read through harry potter and you know all these you know younger books and then i i will never forget the day that my dad was like hey i have i have a book that we we should read together and so my parents would always like when i was going to bed would read to me at night and i will never forget when my dad started reading the lord of the rings to me and that impacted me so much and so it's like as i talk about this you know it just gets emotional and i just think about all those times where it was just like this movie and the story and everything is fantastic and i mean that that feeling is always elicited when i watch these and i i watch them pretty regularly Mm -hmm. my wife can attest that and she's probably annoyed to death of them right now but (laughs) she can attest that i i watch these pretty frequently and it's never bad never get tired of it no i I can quote fellowship of the ring probably from beginning to end and it's still it's it's fascinating and still love it every single time so if you haven't watched these what's wrong with you yeah (laughs) Um, i can
1: get the books to some degree tolkien takes a long time to describe like a single tree and then Takes Tolkien him about a four months to get the breed. writer Yes, but at the same time, they're worth it. I mean, he's he's there's a reason he's uh, the godfather of Absolutely. fantasy fiction or genre fiction. I guess.
0: Let me ask you this, guys. Somewhat disagree, but what Tolkien thing would you want to see on screen that has not been on screen yet?
2: I mean, there's kind of the obvious. The silmarillion Yeah, it's yeah. kind of that's the Silmarillion's big. Silmarillion's like, like
0: not a. It's like. That's,
1: oh, let's put the Bible on screen.
0: That's like, like it's yeah, really that's like disjointed. It's not like a story. <laughs> didn't
1: uh, what is it? Um, I would want to see uh like a specific story from I I okay, so I mentioned this before when we were talking uh before we started recording that I thought we could have seen more Faramir. Faramir mm-hmm. was one of my favorite characters from the books and he didn't really come through all the way in Return of the King, I would say, uh, and and uh, I, I don't know. It's always disheartening to, to see that, but um, I still enjoyed his, his portrayal, as uh, the adaptation they did. I just think that they didn't indicate as explicitly as they could have how cool of a character he was. It's one of the few characters to ever be told that um, he kind of functions, from a human perspective, as a wizard would. Yes, the wisdom. Yeah, in that vein.
2: I'm gonna level this at you guys. Mm -hmm. Coming to Netflix, 2020, 2019. I don't know. Okay, okay. I don't think I could handle like a whole movie or a super long series, but maybe like a three or four part. J.R. Tolkien's, The Legend of Tom Bombadil. Uh, (laughs) I'm throwing it out there. (laughs) No, um, I mean that that would be hysterical. But that would be. I mean, the the Children of Huron be really awesome yeah that is a a book i mean that would definitely take a lot more of a that was a lot more of a kind of a darker story it would be fascinating and just be interesting i mean especially to get some of that story of you know either before or after lord of the rings you know we, we know kind of roughly the story that happened in this era but it would be fascinating to see you know what people were up to you know before the hobbit before all this stuff happened and i mean silmarillion would be really cool that would definitely be a a very long process but i mean some shorter little thing like that would be really cool i yeah. i would say i want to see
0: so um way back in the first age the balrogs got loose basically and there was a giant war with hundreds of balrogs like i've i just want that one scene get in a flashback or like in a A fan film on YouTube, like I want that one like four minute scene with the hundreds of balrogs
2: fighting wizards and orcs and shit. Like that that sounds amazing. And that's what's so cool about Tolkien is that things like that happen. I mean, everyone knows like, oh, the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings story, but it's like there's so much stuff. Baron and Lucian would be
0: really interesting to me. Yep. Um, that would be a good Netflix show. Mm -hmm. But there I mean there's there's so much story to tell.
2: I mean, there's there's so many cool like mini series that people could do. Mm. And it, it would people would love it. People would eat it up, and it, oh, yeah. it would be fascinating to see.
1: Yeah, Chlorfindel fights the ball rock
2: Yo, cool. it'd be good. That would be cool. Actually, I say why not more Lord of the Rings stuff. All of it. Middle Earth. I want to see. Wind.
0: Do you guys? I want to see a. Like a Rohan spin-off. like way back or not even necessarily way back but like what what's happening rohan like during this stuff like i want to see the kingdom and like more like a more rogue one like gritty kind of thing not just like that's happening alongside this crazy grandeur story that you know the group is is partaking in i want to see like the gritty game of thrones in rohan kind of thing like that <laughs> that, was
2: about it. that was like popping like kind of the political intrigue yeah of like worm uh, you know grandma worms coming in and like the slow buildup of like saruman's power in that area yeah oh, that'd be really that fascinating That sounds incredibly interesting
1: because you're talking about them just doing lord of the rings as a tv series yeah
2: yeah <laughs> hbo series Hmm. i mean i wouldn't complain no one would. <laughs> yeah no one would. yeah let's do that
1: well gents let's make it happen hbo yeah, you heard yes. it You, heard it. First you, you can awesome. have that idea yeah. for free. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome.
0: Um all right, guys. That is it for episode five. Um wanna continue this conversation, you can find us at levelupyourfandom.com.
2: If you want to find us on Twitter, we are at overlooked underscore cast. And on
1: Instagram we're often underscore overlooked underscore podcast.
0: Find us, talk to us, tell us the things.
2: Definitely. We love feedback. We'd love to hear from you guys. So, Whoa, 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 guys. What? No, no. I just had a news bulletin on my phone. Oh, This sounds intense. Local news says that a courtroom artist was arrested today for an unknown reason. Hmm. Details are sketchy. Oh, Jesus. No.
1: No. God.
2: Hashtag bad joke. No. Oh. oh, dang it. Details are sketchy. <laughs> I'm funny, I think. Maybe.
0: (laughs) We now return you to your regularly scheduled boredom.